Hello and welcome to the CBO Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Donna Sheely. So glad to have you with us for another episode today. Today, we are speaking with William Nunez, Vice Chancellor, CFO, Finance and Administration at Texas Christian University. Hello, William, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Don. It's a pleasure to be here. So, William, everyone I've interviewed has had a different path that led them to becoming a CBO. So please share with us your path. Absolutely. Well, I come from a higher education or an educated family. My my dad was a college professor. My, my mom was a uh, elementary, secondary uh, education uh, teacher and then eventually a principal and so forth. And my dad did the traditional route of chair, dean, dean provost, chancellor. But I always had this affinity for higher ed. Uh, I was uh, I went through business school, got my MBA, and uh, looked at uh, different universities for opportunities, thinking there could be some opportunity there. My first path was uh, at the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky, where I started and really cut my teeth in uh, university budgeting and university planning. And that really set the stage for my subsequent positions and sort of my career path, which led me to uh, the University of Nebraska. Uh, and now to Texas Christian University in a, a CBO CFO capacity. So um, maybe very traditional, maybe not traditional. I'm not exactly sure, but there are a few deviations along the way. But they all were in higher education. So you came in after Brian Gutierrez. He retired from the role. I did. He was there for 16 years. He was. So talk to us about. The transition into a position after someone was in that post for so long. You know, it's really fascinating. When I was offered the position of vice chancellor for business and finance at the University of Nebraska, I actually followed an incredible individual who was in that role for about 17 years, Christine Jackson. It was one of my biggest advocates, but also sort of a, maybe not a formal role model, but definitely a role model to me. And so I came into that position after her. So it was really interesting to come here to Texas Christian to follow Brian, who, who uh, had the same sort of trajectory and longevity at uh, this institution. One thing I can say about those two experiences is what you don't ever want to do if you can help it is come into a university or at any position inheriting a problem. Well, one of the best uh, things about these uh, my roles from these previous uh, individuals was I, I walked in some very good, uh, well-run uh, fiscally sound universities because of, of Christine Jackson's influence and Brian Gutierrez's uh, influence here at TCU. So it's not strange at all. Um, you know, you you have to bring yourself to it. Uh, they both had their their personalities, their, their uh, uh, culture, you know, their way of doing business, and that's theirs. All good. But when I come in, you know, I I have my own ways of doing things, perhaps, but. Uh, the best part was just a really solid foundation to build upon. And really, they both hired incredibly talented individuals. So I was very fortunate in both circumstances to get some of the best of both worlds. And you've been at some places for some time. And so let's reverse that and talk about as you transitioned out, how you passed the baton or were you even able to to the person who came in after you? Timing is always interesting when you leave a university. And I was there 18 years in multiple roles, but the last four as vice chancellor. My team at Nebraska was uh, very good, and we had a uh, associate vice chancellor and controller, uh, Mary Lagrange, who took on the interim role after I left. Very, very competent, uh, incredibly talented individual, very uh, active in the Kubo as well. And so she fills, still fills that role. 
Uh, they just now named a successor, I believe, this past week or two. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So what has excited you most about your new position, fairly new, at Texas Christian University? Yeah, it's really fascinating. I spent 30 years in public sector higher education, the University of Louisville for 12 and Nebraska for 18. Uh, and now I'm a private, mainly, uh, those were, you know, Big Ten, Research One, you know, large scale universities. But now I'm at a, uh, a private liberal arts, mainly focused uh, university in Texas. And so the, the things that intrigue me the most is really the differences between working at a private sector university and a public sector university. My skills are are translatable, which is really good, but you focus a lot more on different financial attributes of a private university than I had to at the uh, public universities. Obviously, we don't have public funding. Uh, wasn't uh, We were driven by tuition as well as uh, state allocations. Here, it's very much tuition endowment-based. Uh, manage a lot more in terms of the cash management, the treasury functions. We have a lot higher risk uh, potential here. So I've had to pivot a little bit, but that's been the most fascinating part is to see the variations between the two styles or types of institutions that many that I and many of my, my peers across the country have and uh, do work in today. So talk about everything that's under your umbrella there. Well, I have all the financial functions, uh, so accounting, uh, accounts payable. I have risk uh, management, uh, and so uh, the insurance portfolio uh, our, our enterprise risk management portfolio as well. I've got facilities, uh, uh, planning, uh, and really all those uh, components under that, which includes the grounds, the, the custodial. That's really the biggest enterprise uh, under under me right now. I have the student accounts, the bursar function. So we have a student-facing uh, service uh, here. I also have, um, like I said I mentioned uh, accounting, but we also have uh, the treasury function. So we manage all the liquidity, all the cash flow of the university. And my office interface is really closely with our investment um, office, which uh, is our um, uh, investment management component that funds a a chunk of our budget as well. As you look back at your career, which is a very vast career, if there is a lesson that you say, hmm, this was a big lesson I learned over the years and I've carried it with me throughout my career, what would that be? Uh, that I think the one thing I always take with me uh, and have learned is you can't do it all. You can't be the end all. As you elevate through the ranks, and I started really with, like I said, at budgeting, very much a budget analyst and worked my way up to vice chancellors, as I mentioned. Um, you learn these different parts of your role. You do pull in lots of different experiences from across the enterprise and you learn from other people who do different things. But you are not the expert on all the things that report to you. Uh, you need to be a great listener. You need to trust your people. You need to hire great people. Hire people better, smarter than you are, because they'll do the jobs that you need to be done, but you need to be their advocate and learn from from that, but also be um, knowledgeable enough to ask the right questions and to get to the right, right direction. So it really comes down to understanding limitations of every human and understanding that we are always improving. I've do, done this now for 31 years, uh, and I, I'll be better tomorrow. I am today, just simply through uh, working with these incredibly talented individuals, but also the challenges that are thrown at us in a complex world we call higher education. And speaking of people and working with people, let's talk about mentorship. You've been doing this for a very long time. Talk to me first about some of the mentors that you had and how they helped you, and then what you are doing now in terms of giving back and your mentorship. 
I've been so fortunate, and maybe all of us have just by default, but I've never had a formalized in the mentor-mentee relationship. It's always been mentorship through uh, proximity, through hierarchy, those kinds of things. Uh, my first role at the University of Louisville in budget and planning, I had two senior uh, analysts uh, who were just exceptional. It kind of took me under their wing and taught me that, uh, how the business was done, the different enterprise systems we use, uh, culturally, uh, how the university operates. And so that really rubbed off. But the best point is I had a supervisor, um, an individual named uh, uh, Kathy Wilder, who since went on to do other things, who was sort of a pinnacle of leadership for me. Uh, really empowered us, uh, gave us the, the tools and training that we needed, trusted our judgment, uh, but also talked about being well and self-help. This was 30 years ago. So you know, we all struggle with that now, but she was really ahead of the game. So I, I had a really amazing experience just at the inception point of my career. Uh, moving on, when I got to Nebraska, I had a real uh, opportunity to work with, I think, two of the greatest chancellors uh, in, in the country in uh, Harvey Perlman. Worked with him for about, oh my goodness, I don't know, 12 to 12 years. And then uh, Dr. Ronnie Green, who's the current standing chancellor. Um, again, exceptionally intelligent, intellectual, forward-thinking individuals, but also very humble, very servant-leader-focused, cared mainly about the success of the organization more so than themselves. And uh, just absorbing that, absorbing how they did their work and what made them so successful. Amongst the hundreds of other people I interfaced with over these years became helped me become uh, maybe the professional I am today. And so those key tenets from Kathy Wilder that I, I, that I absorbed, I try to instill here. I, I trust our individuals. I give them the tools, talent, tools, talent, and training uh, that they need. I trust their judgment. Um, we work collaboratively. I don't uh, approach like I know all the answers. I approach it very humbly, which all these individuals I mentioned beforehand did as well. So uh, maybe that's how I pay it forward is by instilling or, or drawing upon those experiences I've had in the past, these incredibly talented individuals. So with your vast knowledge and being in this field for, for quite some time, what is a or some go-to resources that you use that you kind of, you know, go back and like, this is, this is my source that I really get a lot of good information from? That's a great question. So uh, we're, we're talking about, uh, we're on Nakubo right now. Nakubo is an incredible uh, resource for myself, my peers, my staff. Uh, it, it sort of unifies the, the craft, the, the uh, jobs we all do. It brings together incredible speakers, uh, partners. And so that's really a go-to source for me, for my team, and it has for years. Uh, just different publications that focus on higher education. And there's, there are hundreds of them. People think about the Chronicle or Inside Higher Ed, those kinds of things. But then there's some very uh, specific uh, areas if we have um, issues with compliance. Well, we have to kind of dive into the areas in compliance. And I'm not going to name all of the ones, but there's different pieces. Uh, things dealing with um, uh, different rules and regs uh, at the IRS. I mean, there are resources there to go to. Uh, the other one is just simply experts for when it comes to team building and culture building, your internal resources like HR. Those kinds of things have been uh, instrumental. Uh, but there are so many resources, and now more than ever, so it's almost getting difficult to pinpoint. I find myself sort of going back to the core ones that I've used for years because they really are tried, uh, proven and tried and true, like, like in the Google, for example. But also all of us have journals that have published research 
that we, we use and can go to in terms of you know, business journals or uh, higher ed journals and so forth. So those uh, are also tools I've used and have you know, used to continue to do so. As we start a new year, 2023, I want you to talk about what you're looking forward to and what your future looks like in higher ed. Well, this is my the end of my first year here at TCU. And so uh, a lot of it, maybe to the uh, uh, chagrin of some, I've listened, I've spent a year absorbing how this place works. Of course, we've done a lot, but uh, it's to now take what I've learned and try to apply it in a more purposeful way, uh, develop a strategic initiative or strategic agenda around the university strategic plan for our team and how we contribute to that at a much higher level. Uh, I've brought what I how you know how I lead, I guess, to uh, the organization, and sort of trying to build on uh, the culture, uh, how people see themselves, and so really a, st- a staffing plan working forward that could be uh, helpful to us in our future. Tying our our work much more closely to the strategic objectives of the university, uh, we don't want to work in silo. We want to be an absolute support mechanism to support the mission and support decisions and make decisions in the best interest. So that really is leaning into that notion in the next year and really two or three going forward. Uh, I hope that's answered the question. On the other side, for me, you know, I'm uh, I'm in my mid-50s now, so I probably have about 10 more years to go. This is an incredible place. Uh, I think I've landed. Uh, is this the end for me? Maybe. Don't know. I don't ever think like that. I've never pursued it. Things have just sort of happened uh, in a good way. And I've uh, been able to capitalize on opportunities, this being one of them. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of work always to be done, uh, folks in our field. You're kind of the recipient of everything else. Uh, I say that, you know, there's, there's academics, there's, uh, there's different places, but we tend to get everything else because it, somebody needs a decision. And so uh, that's what I'm, I see here. That's what I saw at my previous two institutions. That energizes me because I love being um, a problem solver. And there's always problems to be solved. So. Uh, not not necessarily a, a clear trajectory on my future, but uh, I think I'm going to ride this out for a while and see how it goes. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So if I were to ask your peers, what is William passionate about? What would they say? Well, I, gosh, I never thought of that question. Um, I don't know if they'd have an answer. I, I think uh, they would probably say I, I love higher education. You know, I, I tend to reiterate every chance I get how I absolutely love the first couple, three weeks of a fall semester. There's so much energy. There, there's so much excitement about what's to come. And so uh, I think they, they say enjoys higher education, has made it his, his life's calling and turned into a profession that he'll have until he retires or something else. But I also think they'll tell you that uh, I hope that I bring a humbleness to it. I, I try to bring, uh, you know, good nature and um, sort of a lightheartedness to what we do because but also the stressing of it being important work for everybody. But uh, I don't know. I, I guess uh, you might want to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a humble person would say. So <laughs> yeah. I appreciate your time. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I, I, I really appreciate the time. And this is a, a really an incredible uh, service, but also a resource that Nakubo provides to its members. And it's just an honor to be a part of it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, William. We really appreciate you. Thank you that much. And thank you for joining us today for this episode of CBO Speaks, brought to you by the National Association of College and University Business Officers. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks on Apple Podcasts. 
so that you can get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of William Nunez of Texas Christian University, I want to thank you for joining us on CBO Speaks. I'm Donna Shealy. Be well. Be well.